This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Hyman, and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hello, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. How are you today? I'm great. Um, It is a little bit sunnier outside today. It's still cold, but sunny, so that's always good in my book (laughs) when it's sunny. I know. I'm I'm ready for, I'm, I'm already ready for spring. I know it's not time yet, but I'm ready for it. And we have the perfect guest to talk about like flowers and spring blooming. So (laughs) we're excited that Gretchen Saffles is with us today. Hi guys. I'm so glad to be here. And yes, I am so ready for spring to come. I'm already thinking about gardening and it looks pretty outside, but it is cold. Yes, Mm -hmm. it is. Um, Gretchen, we are familiar with you. You've been around the Lifeway Women world for quite some time. Um, and we know that a lot of our guests will probably, or our listeners will probably know you. But just for those who maybe aren't as familiar, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your ministry and all the things. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. So I am a wife to my husband, Greg, for eight years. We met in Nashville. And a mama to two precious little boys, Nolan, who's five, and Haddon, who is two. I have been a follower of Jesus for 24 years, and he shapes everything that I do. Um, When I was younger, I thought I'd be a teacher or a missionary someday when I grew up, as well as a lot of other crazy things. I'm sure you guys had a lot on your list, but I had like garbage collector, maid, all these things. And... Yeah, and I basically am those things now. I've got two kids and I collect a lot of garbage and clean a lot of things. (laughs) Um, And so, but God, through his sovereignty and through all the twists and turns of life, um, led me to start a ministry many years ago called Life Lived Beautifully at the time, which is now Well-Watered Women. And our mission at Well-Watered Women is to reach women right where they are with the hope of the gospel. And we seek to do that through gospel-centered resources, content, Bible studies, journals, um, anything that would be a spark to light a fire in a woman's heart to know Jesus more is what we long to do. And I love to dream big. I love to travel and try new things and garden, like I mentioned a second ago. I am so excited to plant some flowers and see that growth. But there's still growth happening in the winter seasons. So right now matters as well. Yeah, you're right. And we, we know that you've been on the podcast before and kind yeah. of back in the day when Mary Margaret was doing this and yes. a lot of things have happened. I mean, as far as like even your family, but you actually have a new book coming out called The Well-Watered Woman. So tell us a, li- a little bit about that and the process and how, yeah. it's, how it's coming to be. Absolutely. It has been five years since I was on the podcast. I looked it up and was just mind blown because it feels like it was yesterday. It's hard wow. to believe that it's even been five years since the podcast started. It, it really is. It's amazing. And it's been so fruitful. So yeah, in that time, we've had another baby. We have moved to a whole new state. And um, the Lord opened up an opportunity to write the book. And the Well-Watered Woman book is all about growing in our daily walks with Jesus. 
It's for the woman who feels burned out, busted up, broken down, for the woman who wants more of Jesus in her everyday life, but she struggles to live this out. And the the concept for the book was just birthed in my own experience and my own desire to know Jesus more and to know and understand what does it look like to apply the gospel in this moment of my life? What does it look like in those dry desert seasons that we all walk through in life, um, in transition, in times of suffering and sorrow? What does it look like to really know Jesus? And so this book is basically kind of chronicling that journey, but it more importantly, it's looking to Christ in the word and how he is the the fulfillment of our joy. He is our satisfaction. He is our foundation. And at the end of the book, my whole just purpose and prayer is that women will shut the book and they will want to go open their Bible. They're going to want to go open their Bible to read it, to know our God who is living and active, and then to go live that out in everyday life. And so um, along with the book, there's also a journal called the Well-Watered Life Journal, and that's where we just really make it practical and help you implement the spiritual disciplines in your everyday life. Yes, I love this book. I um, messaged you on Instagram and I was like, I think half of it is dog eared, like, (laughs) which is gets to the point of not being helpful anymore because I'm just like, I've dog eared too many things. But one of the quotes um, that I really liked in the beginning of the book, because you're talking about what it means to be well watered Mm -hmm. and how so many women have lived dried up or thirsty instead of well watered. Mm -hmm. And you write, you have to know you're thirsty before you can drink from the well that always satisfies and never runs dry. So can you unpack that a little bit? Like, how do we know when we're thirsty? What does that look like? And then um, just, yeah, just kind of unpack that statement a little bit for us, if you don't mind. Yes. So, First of all, before Christ, we're all thirsty. We're all dead in our sins and our trespasses. And in Christ, when we come to know him, to believe in him, um, come to salvation in him, he transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to his everlasting kingdom. And he makes us alive in Christ. If you just unpack Ephesians 2 sometime, like it is amazing. But even as believers, even as believers who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, who have been raised from death to life, we can still start to live a dried up life when we aren't daily bringing our empty cup to God's word, to the well of living water, to be filled and satisfied. I think we all know how it feels to get trapped in the cycle of comparison that is only just exacerbated by scrolling social media or watching Netflix, or even just browsing a magazine while you're standing in line at the grocery store. And immediately we can start down that dried up lane to that destination that never leads to fruitfulness and to freedom and to fullness that can only be found in Christ. And Mm -hmm. in the book, I, I unpack what it looks like to drink from empty wells, empty wells in this world that are never meant to satisfy our souls. And I give a lot of different examples and just to name a few off the top of my head, you know, I just mentioned social media. That is a big empty well that I think we're all trying to drink from. And I know we all know what it feels like to open up our phone in this moment where we know we need um, just restoration. We know we need revival of our souls and we start scrolling and then you somehow, you know, 10 minutes passes and you get off 
and you feel worse than the moment that you picked up your phone. That's drinking from this empty well when in that moment we could be turning our souls to Christ and prayer and surrender and worship. Um, there's empty wells like seeking a certain social status, um, money in your bank account, achievements. Maybe it's your outer appearance, your home. All of these things, when we try to find our satisfaction and our hope in them, leave us empty because only Jesus can satisfy. And so when we experience that soul thirst, um, we all know what that feels like. It's this longing for more, this unsettledness and this desire knowing that these things in this world are just not cutting it. They're just not bringing us the hope that we long for. And Kelly and Elizabeth, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but maybe you really wanted something in your life. Maybe it was a vacation or a new handbag. I don't know, like whatever it was, you wanted it so badly and then you got it and you were disappointed. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, definitely. All the time. Um, Even I think, you know, we just like Christmas or um, birthdays when you get all these presents and you're so excited to get them and then you get them and you're like, oh, okay, this is just a thing. Like I can move (laughs) on past this really quickly. That's where we experience that soul thirst that yeah. that leads us to look for more and the more can only be found in Christ. And we see this unfold in John chapter four, where Jesus meets the woman at the well and yeah. he meets her in her brokenness and he uses her physical thirst. She came literally to the well with a water jar to draw water because she was thirsty, but he used that physical thirst to show her that her soul was thirsty. And ultimately, he ended up satisfying her with himself, the well of living water. Mm. Yeah. I I was just thinking about that when you were talking, because, of course, I mean, we're all going to have that kind of in our head about, Mm. you know, living water and and the well and things like that. But, you know, I also, you know, you talk a little bit about the the phrase, and we hear this phrase a lot about, you know, bloom where you're planted. It's on, Mm. you know, mugs and quotes and all those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. But when you look at the woman at the well, too, like Jesus told her to go back to the community and like to tell them what had happened. And, and to me, that's kind of a little bit about what it is to bloom where you're planted. But what does that look like? What does that look like for you? And how has God used that in your life, Gretchen? Mm. So sayings like this, they sound so good. (laughs) Until you're walking through a winter season or a season of pruning or a season of suffering. I framed the book so that it unfolds in five different growth stages that happen with a plant, but they also happen in our spiritual walks with Jesus. And they are planted, rooted, grow, bloom, and flourish. And the truth is, even as I was studying this and just looking at spiritual growth and what it means to, to abide in Christ, I realized we aren't always blooming. I mean, right now, as we are recording this, it is winter outside and none of my flowers are blooming. None of the plants are blooming. The trees are barren, but it doesn't mean that there's nothing happening in the ground, in the plant. That winter Mm -hmm. season is important for the growth. And I can't think of a single plant that does bloom in every single season. Mm -hmm. So one thing that is always happening though, is we're abiding. That plant, it's remaining where it is rooted. And for us, in order for us to bloom where we are planted, we have to learn the art of abiding, of remaining in Christ and trusting Him, and more importantly, receiving pruning in order to bear more spiritual fruit. 
So we have um, a rose bush outside and it's it's January, February right now. And at this time of year, we cut it way back. I mean, way down to where it's kind of like, oh man, like it, there's nothing left to it. But in order for that plant to grow, in, in order for there to be a lot of roses when it comes spring and summer, we have to cut it back. And so I think that a lot of times that the phrase bloom where you're planted, we can put so much pressure on ourselves and think, oh my goodness, like my life needs to look like this in this season. When really in the winter season, there may not be growth that's happening. It may look more like you're staying where you are. You're just abiding in him and that matters. And so I I unpack the abide acronym in the book in one of the chapters. And um, I'm just gonna kind of lay it out real quickly. It's accept pruning, believe his word, identify false vines, delight in Jesus, and endure with joy. And so in order to bloom, we have to learn the beauty and the art of abiding in him. And for me, that has looked like being faithful where I am when I want to be somewhere else. And I wish I could give you a very specific example, but I feel like this happens so often, it's almost hard to. Because, you know, we we enter one season and then we're always looking forward to the next thing, right? Like mm-hmm. you get maybe you bought a house or maybe you get the job, but now you're like, oh, I really want um, to have a promotion. I really want to have this house or this in my room or there's so many different things that we're looking at instead of seeing, okay, God, where are my feet planted right now? And how can I live faithful right where you have me? And that's what it means to um, to trust in him in those seasons. And so we may not always be blooming. My friend, Ruth Cho Simons, you guys know her. Yes. She says, um, you know, we're not always blooming um, in order to wait. Oh, I'm trying to remember the phrase. Do y'all remember it? Oh, hang on. I have that. I have that earmark too. Cause I really liked it. Yes. Um, let me find it. Oh, here we go. You don't have to be blooming to be growing. Thank you. Yes. That is, and that is really what it means. Um, mm-hmm. we don't have to be blooming in order to be growing and what hope, <laughs> I mean, there is so much hope in that statement, um, because we don't, and, and in those seasons where you're not blooming, you don't have to feel like a failure. Instead, you can just trust in him that his timing is perfect and he is doing so much work behind the scenes and in the depths of your soul. Yeah, I see what you said too, just on that acronym right below that in the book, you said, abiding isn't just a matter of obedience. It's the basis of joy in the life of a believer that we get joy from abiding. So that's so, so huge. Yes. And along those same lines, you talk a lot about, or there's a section in the book about Jeremiah 29. And I think that is like, such a, f- a funny verse in that Jeremiah 29 11 is quoted most often I feel like at high school graduations yeah. which is um, and you may or may not be familiar with it it's for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future and I feel like it's it's funny because it is quoted often during like high school graduation which is exactly the opposite of like the original context <laughs> for yeah. the verse nice. And so I I really appreciated how you unpacked that about mm-hmm. how this is actually a time when the when the Israelites were in the middle of exile mm-hmm. and but God said, you know, put down roots, start planting gardens, like literally put down roots, start planting gardens and build houses and all of these things even though you're in exile and you're not in where 
you know, you should, you feel like you should be blooming. You feel mm. like you should be planted, but right now this is where you're planted. And, um, so talk a little bit about that. I feel like we're hoping and praying that our current season of coronavirus and political mm. turmoil and all this, um, you know, natural disasters, we're, we're hoping that our current season does not last 70 years, which is how long <laughs> the Israelites were in exile, but it definitely feels like we're kind of in an exile right now in a lot of ways. And I think for Christians, we're always in an exile because this is not our home. But what does it look like to like, what are some of the ways that we can plant gardens in our lives right now, whether that means in quarantine or in a certain season of life? Because um, mm, yes. we've also talked about this recently in a podcast, and I don't know if it's coming out before this one or after this one, but <laughs> essentially, you know, we're we're always looking forward to like what you said to the next season. And, um, you know, whether that is like once I get married or once I have kids or once my kids grow up or once I get this other job or once I move to this other state or whatever it may be. Um, so what, what are some of the ways that we can plant gardens right now in whatever place we're in that we maybe never wanted to find ourselves in? Yeah. So last year when the pandemic hit and, you know, everybody had to quarantine, I literally planted a garden. <laughs> um, like, I, I don't literally... think you were alone. I feel like I saw lots of new gardeners. On there were, this was the first. So I've, I've like tried to do some things, but this was the first time I actually like got into the soil um, and really like put a seed in the soil and just prayed, you know, Lord, help this grow. I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, and it was just a sign to my soul that it is possible to flourish in exile. It's possible to grow even when we're somewhere we don't want to be. And for most people, it's not going to look like planting a physical garden, but I want to give you just a really practical example. And when I was single in college, I remember just longing to be married. I wanted to be a wife and to have a home and a family. And I dreamed of the day that I would have somebody to cook for and take care of or a home to decorate and have um, have a space to have friends over and just all of those little things. And I was having coffee with a close friend of mine and sharing all of this with her and just kind of sharing the, you know, the struggle that I was in a place I didn't want to be and I just wanted to get to this next season. And I remember she challenged me not to wait to do any of those things. Mm-hmm. And she, she just started asking me, why don't you just cook for others? I mean, I know you're single, but you can have your friends over and cook for them. Why not decorate and enjoy the season you're in? Why not serve in your church right now? Why not do all of these things? And even though it wasn't perfect or ideal, God made that season into something that is so beautiful. And he showed me what it means to actually flourish, even when you're in a season of um, waiting, a season of transition, a season of longing, that he really can make that full and, and fruitful. And so planting in gardens in exile, it might look like doing the thing that you desire to do, but are tempted to put off for that someday. Um, It looks like trusting God with the what ifs of tomorrow and the problems of today. It looks like studying the word and delighting and memorizing it. It looks like blasting worship music and enjoying God's creation. And overall, it looks like seeking him. Because in the two verses after Jeremiah 29, 11, in verses 12 through 13, God also says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Mm -hmm. 
And so ultimately, if I were to summarize the answer to this question, it looks like seeking God and serving others. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means to plant gardens when you're in exile, when you're in that place you you never thought you would be, but that is where your feet are. God has a purpose and a plan, and he can make it full and fruitful for his glory. That I is a word right there. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Okay. Well, and even just like what you're talking about, like, you know, in every season, and we've kind of hit mm-hmm. on those, those aspects of what that means. Um, one of the things that you are just like, it is probably your mantra, you know, Gretchen, that yeah. you put on Instagram is just word before world, word yes. before world. And, and like, that is our go-to. That is mm-hmm. no matter what season we're in, whether it's winter, spring, summer, fall. I mean, like, we go to that and... Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're not going to give away everything that's in the book, but it's really practical when, especially when you look at the seasons of maybe darkness or busyness. So, um, how do you do that? How do you? What are some practical ways to just stay in God's word to make that our go-to? That was one of my favorite chapters to write, and I'm not going to lie, it and it was like. 10,000 words for one chapter. <laughs> and if, if you know, um, like books and, and how many words that is, that was way too much. It got cut down a lot <laughs> because I am really passionate about this. Um, when I, when I was growing up, I grew up in the church and, uh, my dad was a pastor for the first part of my life. And by the time I got to college, I still couldn't really tell you how to study the Bible. I mean, I still was going, where do I start? (laughs) And at that point, I mean, I had been in the church for so long. And then, so you're in college and you're going through all these transitions and it's really awkward. And then you get out of college and you're trying to figure out life. And I realized, what does it look like to be in the word? What does it look like to apply the word to my life? Then I got married and started having kids. And then I was like, now I really like need the word of God, but I feel like I don't have time. And so this chapter and this whole concept has been born out of my need and my longing and my desperation to know God, even in these really hard seasons of life. And so in the chapter, we, we walk through a lot of different seasons and it's not all encompassing. Like I said, it was like 10,000 words and got cut down to, you know, 1500 or whatever the chapter was supposed to be. Um, but in every season we can be in the word, but it may look different. That's what I want to encourage women is, you know, when you have a newborn at home, you're probably not going to study the Bible for an hour every day in depth because your brain can't handle it. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you're, maybe you even are going through a loss. Um, You, you may have lost a family member. It's going to look different to grieve as you're going through God's word. Um, You know, maybe you're moving. There's all kinds of seasons that we walk through, but God's word remains the same and is unchanging. So what does that look like to be in the word in every season? Um, A lot of it goes back to spiritual disciplines and the joy of memorizing God's word. This has been so key in my life. I mean, I cannot tell you like how life-changing it has been to start actually memorizing God's word. Because in those moments, you know, we can't sit with our Bibles open all day, every day. I know, you know, it's like, that'd be really great. Um, But you read your Bible and then what do you do? You go to work, you go and take care of your kids, you go to the grocery store. And just because you shut your Bible doesn't mean that Jesus stays there in your Bible. As a Christian, we have the hope and the promise that we've got the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. We have Christ with us. 
And so to memorize God's word is to have it with you at all times. The Holy Spirit will call to mind that truth that you have hidden deep into your heart. Um, There's so many different ways that you can listen to God's word. I know whenever I wake up and my kids are already up and it's just a crazy day, even today, um, this morning was a crazy morning. I pulled up the Dwell Bible app. That's a um, great app that you can listen to the Bible and there's playlists on it as well. And so you can actually just click a playlist and start listening. And um, so we can listen to the word. And how great is that, that our kids could hear us listening to the word? I mean, it's just an easy, very natural way to disciple our children. Our children, um, You can write it on a post-it note, stick it where you spend a lot of time. And for yeah. me, that's the kitchen sink and the laundry room. Oh my goodness. I spend so much time in those <laughs> two places. And so bringing scripture into those things and, and putting first things first. Um, you know, I, we talked in the very beginning of this um, podcast about you have to know you're thirsty in order to, mm-hmm. you know, come to the yeah. well that always satisfies and never runs dry. And, and that's what Jesus did with the, um, with the woman at the well. He, he showed her her thirst. She knew it was already there, but she didn't know how it could be satisfied. And he showed her that through himself would come the satisfaction and the wholeness and the freedom and, and the salvation and the rescue that she longed for. And so in every season, we can have the word within us and we can think about it. We can pray to him. We can worship him. Um, and so we go even more in depth in this. But, you know, I think one of the lies that we can believe is that just because we, you know, I read the word yesterday, so I don't need to read it today. Or I went to church on Sunday, so that's enough, right? Like, or I'm going to go to Bible study tonight. But we, our, our cups get empty every day. Uh, we pour them out as we serve other people, um, suffering comes, and you talked about just all the things that are happening in our culture right now. It's a lot. And we get dried up every day, and we have to come back to the well. We have to come back to the well to receive the truth and the joy that Jesus gives. I love that. And I um, also would like to insert something in here that mm. I di- we didn't have on the um on the questions that we sent you ahead of time yeah. because I finished reading the book between us sending these questions and, and yeah. this and today. And I just yep. had to share with you this one in the back of the book, you talk about your gel pens yes. and how, <laughs> how, I mean, it's not a huge spoiler, but essentially yeah. your, your gel pens dried up because they were treated so precious. Mm. And I actually recently, like my parents have been going through their attic and getting, giving us all of our childhood possessions. Um, And so we opened up this whole box that had like three or four different American Girl craft kits that had not been used. They're in Mm. mint condition because I was the same way where I was like, this is, yes, this is too precious to use. Like we're going to need to save these for like a special occasion. And like, I am not joking when I almost started crying when I Mm. opened this up because it was just such a like, what in my childhood was I so like, we've got to hold on to these. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yes. So I love all the time. Yes. All the time. And so I loved how you said, you know, if we aren't faithful now, then when will we be? If we Mm. won't share Christ now, then when? And I think that is a statement for all of us, no matter what season we're in to use those gifts that he has given us um, Mm. and the place that he has us. um, Yes. Because I think we're 
I, I don't know of any one person, and if you are out there, please let me know, who is like, <laughs> you know what? I am exactly where I always thought I would be, doing yeah. exactly what I always <laughs> thought I would do with the tools that I always thought I would have. Like, yeah. I have yet to meet that person. So I feel like we're all working with what we've been given. Mm. And sometimes that is very much where we can see how God has placed us there. But for a lot of us, for a lot of the time, it feels like we're just like, I don't know. This isn't what I expected. <laughs> like, yes. And so I think um, like our gel pens and our American Girl craft kits, like God mm-hmm. has given us these good gifts in these places that are so um, beautiful and precious and good. And for us to just say, you know what, I'm not going to, you know, share the gospel or I'm not going to worry about memorizing scripture or I'm not going to mm. worry about having a daily time with God until fill in the blank, like this thing gets perfect, then we just waste this time that we have. Um, And I think about like, you know, I know when I was in college, I was so busy, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and everybody's always like, you'll never be as, you'll never, or you'll always be busier than you are right now, like in the rest of your life. And I feel like that is a, a thing that we just have to set up our lives and start blooming where we're planted, like we've Mm -hmm. said, and using all these gifts. Um, And I think you did such a good job of just saying like practical ways to do that. And it may not look like what you always thought it would. Um, It may not look like sitting down for an hour before your children wake up to pour over scripture and, you know, you have the perfect cup of tea or whatever it is. It may look like, you know, for a while I had a, I had a Bible verse taped to my ceiling because I was like, I need the promises of God while I'm like trying to go to sleep at night. So I'm going to tape this (laughs) to my ceiling. And that's what it looked like for a long time in my life. And so I think, yeah, so I just wanted to insert that just because I I laughed. But then I also was like, (laughs) this is like so poignant for me as someone who saved those things. And I'm sure everybody has those those things and they were like we're not going to use these these are I mean yes we always talk about like the fine china that we're not going to get out I don't have fine china but like I feel like that's something that yeah (laughs) so um to just to use use the gifts that God has given you in the the place where he has you yeah you know it's funny you brought up the china my (laughs) grandmother had this beautiful china and we found it at my mom's house and and I have boys so I still have to like keep it high but I brought it back I was like why are these, these are so beautiful and they're just sitting, you know, in a box, like nobody's seeing them, nobody's enjoying them. What's the purpose if they're not being enjoyed and used? And I think that so many women can do that with their gifts and their, and they think, oh, you know, writing is the first thing that comes up. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. a woman says, I feel called to write, but I'm just staying at home with my children, you know, like that's not, and so they don't do it because they feel like that's not a good place. And yet there are so many opportunities for you to use your gifts in your local church, right where you are with your kids and with your friends and your neighbors. Faithfulness does not look like big things. It looks like little things, unseen things that nobody sees other than God. That's where the growth happens. That's where the blooming really happens. It's not in the big things. It's in the everyday little things that nobody else sees. Yes. Um, so I love yeah, that. I think that's like, you know, with to use your example of writing to say, well, I'm not going to write what God has is, you know, placing on my heart to write because I don't have a platform, you know, yes. or I don't have mm-hmm. this or I don't lead a Bible study at my church. But, you know, if 
God has given you the gift and the call to do that, then go for it. Um, exactly. And mm. he will get the message to whoever needs to hear it, I, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. I feel like I've just been sitting here just like soaking in some of the wisdom <laughs> that you guys are even sharing. I'm like, this just, this is, just feels really good. And just like, I'm just like kind of soaking it in myself and being just kind of refreshed a lot. But, you know, you talked about gifts and Gretchen, uh, two of your gifts are your little boys. I know that. Mm. And your life is very full being a mom and trying to run this business and writing a book. So talk a little bit about just how did you find time to do this? I mean, mm. I know. I, I mean, I'm at a different point in my life than you are. I don't know that I could have done it with two little ones at home. So how did you do it? Tell us about the process of putting it together. Yeah. So I want to be really honest here. Um, first of all, it was not easy. And I think it's easy to look, you know, some people may see, oh, wow, she wrote a book. She's got two young kids and, um, you know, just just kind of look at life and go, I couldn't do that. Well, there was a lot of sacrifice that had to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and we went into the process knowing that and kind of looking at our family's season. So, um, you know, when the opportunity with the book came up, um, it was a few years ago. And, um, you know, when you write a book, uh, maybe people don't know you write a book proposal first. The book mm -hmm. proposal is a lot of work. I mean, you're basically kind of doing most of the hard work before you actually do the writing. Mm -hmm. And I was pregnant and, you know, the Lord had put this, this idea on my heart, but I knew it's not the time. It's not the time. And so, I mean, this is, I went through pregnancy, went through the first year of my um, second child's life and, and knew that it wasn't the time. And then finally the Lord just said, now's the time. And I was able to, you know, uh, give some focus time to write it. And so my husband, he has been a great supporter and um, we were able to get a sitter to help me so I could have some focused writing time because um, I had two little boys. And so when she would come over, I would go somewhere or sometimes I literally would just um, drive in my car to a parking lot <laughs> and because there's no internet too. And that's yes. helpful when you're writing and you just really yeah. need to focus. And I would sit in a parking lot with my computer and probably had Chick-fil-A, you know, in the seat next to me um, or a coffee or something. And I would write in the car and then I would drive back home and, um, you know, go back into parenting. And, um, you know, as my boys got a little bit older, they started um, like a pre-K and kindergarten. And so I really use that time. But if you are a creative, you may know that sometimes when you have that designated writing time, that's not when the ideas come, right? right? <laughs> that's like, right. for me, I'm like, they don't come then. <laughs> and so I am a big journaler. And um, like before I go to bed at night, I just kind of unload. I, I journal with my quiet time um, throughout the day. Like I, I don't journal all the time. That may, really sounds, you know, but, but I write every thought down. So if something comes to mind, I'll jot it down on my notes app or I'll jot it down on paper. Um, so that I can catch that thought for the moment that I actually can write. Um, because sometimes it's with my kids and I'm just like, there's the idea. There it is. And so I, I jot it down. And a lot of times I'll ask the Holy Spirit to bring it to mind at the right time when I can really flesh it out. So it took a lot of, um, you know, it took sacrifice. It took creating a lot of boundaries um, and really learning to steward my time and, and to say no to certain things. So when I was writing the book, I was off of social media most of that time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I could actually get it done. And so, you know, when we say yes to something, we're also having to say no to other mm -hmm. things. And yeah. my husband and I really had to weigh, okay, 
Um, are these the right yeses and are these the right noes? And we're constantly having to do that. I think everybody is in their life. Um, and so it took a lot of brain power, a lot of surrender, a lot of trusting God and, and just pleading him for wisdom and words and praising him when they actually did come, you know, in, in his perfect timing. So I finished the book and the journal during the pandemic, which was completely unexpected. And um, but God, he provided <laughs> He graciously provided the strength. Um, but yes, I would love to not finish another book during a pandemic, Lord willing. <laughs> yes, we would love that too, just because <laughs> we're kind of anti-pandemic over here. Yeah, I think everybody is. <laughs> yes, that's very helpful to hear because I think a lot of times, um, yeah, people don't realize, they look at the writers' lives and speakers' lives and they think, they're doing so many things. And so mm. I think it's so helpful to hear the when you when you're saying the yes to one thing, that means that you're not saying probably a thousand no's that they've right. said. Um, and so I think that's encouraging to mm. everyone. Yes. Um, so one of my favorite parts of the book is about your cactus <laughs> that survived quite the journey and is thriving. That's maybe a little bit of a spoiler alert. But it now looks a little bit different. Um, And you said, we are forever marked by our times of suffering. And so we know that not everything that leaves a mark on our lives is suffering, like is from suffering. But it did remind me of the question that we always ask. And I know you've answered this before last time you were Mm -hmm. on the podcast, but maybe the answer has changed or there's something new um, in your life. So what has marked you in your walk with Christ? So I was thinking about this question and I was with my my mom recently and we were talking about it and we both had tears in our eyes when we thought of the answer together. Mm-hmm. So um, I had the privilege of being by my papa and my mama. This was at two different times um, by their bedsides the moment they took their last breath. Mm-hmm. And um, they were such holy experiences. And I actually share some about this in the book about my papa, but we sang the song, Give Me Jesus, over him. And um, there's a lot of, there's actually more lyrics than most people sing that in the morning when I rise, the last part is when I come to die, give me Jesus. Mm. And I kid you not, um, as we sang those words over him, he he kind of lifted up his head and he took his last breath. And that moment marked me forever. (laughs) I mean, um, I, I think about that all the time, getting to be just in the presence of, of Christ as he ushered my papa into eternity and he got to see him face to face while we were singing those words. And really, um, that moment just <laughs> like it brings tears to my eyes yeah. now, but it, it marked all that I do. I saw a life that really lived and longed for Jesus and loved Jesus so much that even with his dying breath and, and my mama, we were singing I'll Fly Away. We're, we're a family who sings. We love to sing. I love that. Um, we were harmonizing. Oh, yeah. Um, so we were singing I'll Fly Away when she went to be with Jesus. And I just, um, you know, those moments put eternity into perspective. And they showed me that, you know, to die to ourselves really is to live to Christ and I saw that in my papa and my mamas. I saw it in their life, but I also saw it in their death. Mm-hmm. And that marked me. And it, I mean, every day I, um, the Lord will bring, he'll bring something to mind that I just go, this world is so fleeting, but he is forever and he is faithful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the mark that I, I live each day with. Yeah. 
That's well, amazing. I think it's such a great challenge for us, Gretchen, not to just to live for Jesus, but to to long for him, to long mm. that we will see him. And what an incredible thought. Um, mm. Thank you for sharing that. That's a, yeah. those are tender moments for us yeah. and, and memories that, that do mark us. And yes. so that's really cool. And um, thank you so much for being with us. I know we mm. have kind of run out of time, but Gretchen, um, tell us again when the book releases. Yes, the book releases April 6th. It is coming up and, um, and you can, pre-order it right now mm-hmm. at where you know wherever books are sold yes and we'll and have links in the show notes to yes. that and the journal and all the things <laughs> no, we can't wait i mean elizabeth and i got to see kind of an advanced copy and so that's been fun to be able to to get a sneak peek and mm-hmm. into your book and into your life and mm-hmm. um and to see how how the lord just keeps on transforming you and just making you into his image so thank you gretchen for being with us and and listeners we hope that you'll join us each and every week and we appreciate you stopping by so um goodbye for now bye Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.